0: Welcome back to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am LJ LaFiera. Alongside me, I've got Brandon Karam, and we are a Belly Up Sports podcast. We are what they aren't. Brandon, how you doing?
3: LJ, doing good. Uh, tonight, I was watching a bit of the NFL Hall of Fame game. Uh, I don't know. I had a little bit of itch to watch some, some football and I stayed focused on the game for about a drive and a half. So (laughs) it's progress. Yeah. You know, uh, I said, I would try to make it for a couple drives and I think I did a decent enough job. Eventually I ended up, uh, flipping on the Yankees and watching the end of that really nice game that they had tonight. But yeah, overall, a good day. And I uh, yeah, can't wait to break down uh, the the news stories we have today.
0: Yeah. Um Does anybody, I mean, what are the ratings usually for the Hall of Fame game? Because it just feels like it's so far removed from the rest of the season, especially well, like, with I like feel,
3: I feel like bring- because all the stuff that happens prior to the game is a lot more important than the actual game and like is a stuff lot more before the game what's that i said stuff happens before the game yeah the hall of fame induction yeah. that's why it's the hall of fame game
0: in all seriousness i mean i, I granted um there are some guys particularly especially in baseball that get a lot of numbers to Cooperstown when they get inducted. But I feel like for everybody but the uh, diehard fans, the excitement of a guy getting into the Hall of Fame dies off pretty quickly after, or not quickly, but the peak of it is right when it's announced that they made it in.
3: Yeah. There's
0: a lot of time in between that shouldn't be there.
3: You're also uh, underestimating how how crazy – football fans are because Mm -hmm. we've seen it at the college level where the, the dedication to their team is pretty crazy. LJ, you're, you're a lot bigger of a college football fan than I am. And I'm sure you can say that the fans are very dedicated.
0: Oh, absolutely. I think, yeah, I I would certainly say with a few exceptions, college football fans are bigger and bolder than anything you're going to get in the NFL. And those fans might be without a team pretty soon. We'll have to see where that goes. My, my, um, I'm, For those of you who haven't caught up, the uh, contract talks with the Buffalo Bills and Buffalo have stalled, meaning that they could be very soon looking to move to a new location. Namely, they've mentioned Austin, Texas. Um, that makes me a little less comfortable in my Oakland A's prediction, but...
3: I would die if we had three football teams in Texas. I would just, I, I, I just want to know. Why what.
0: Not? We got three basketball teams.
3: Okay. But I would much rather keep the bills in, in Buffalo. If I could than move them to Austin, they have to compete with Dallas. It's not like Houston is doing anything <laughs> at the current moment. So I don't know. Uh,
0: this is going to sound selfish, but I'm just trying to figure out who, who would that move in the East? Because you'd have to do a, re, a division realignment. There's no reason to keep the Bills in the AFC East.
3: Yeah, uh, probably. Let's see. We call the Bengals podcast, but. Uh, we call the Bengals. Yeah, yeah, until they win a playoff game. Uh, the bangles
0: it's the most fitting you put the bangles there and then you move like tennessee or indianapolis actually into the central there yeah, we fix cool. football. we fix football but our first story here is a little trade deadline update we will of course check in with a bunch of these guys that got moved throughout the year this one is probably the biggest impact that a guy has had on his team since he left and that is anthony rizzo who Up until tonight, a six-game RBI streak in his six games play as a Yankee.
3: Yeah, I believe he was the first player in Yankees history to have an RBI in his first six games on the team. So that's exciting. Uh, Also, he pretty much won us that series in Miami. So that's certainly exciting and then uh, of course the Yankees game tonight. Sure Anthony Rizzo is not able to do anything but the guy who comes through with the big hit is Joey Gallo. Rips a home run down the line, a moonshot that just barely gets out. The so the short porch certainly helped him out tonight, but hey, that's why you trade for a guy like Joey Gallo and He has the big hit. The Yankees go on to win a 5-3. Aroldis Chapman comes in and shuts it down, quietly gotten back on track and is pitching uh, someone well now. So, that's good to see. Nestor Cortez continues his phenomenal season. Five Five innings, two earned runs the season ERA now sits at 2.15 and he's gone a little under 40 innings as a reliever, a spot starter, and having to deal with the Yankees psychology of sending you up and down and up and down and up and down if you have options. So uh, yeah. It's nasty season for Nestor, baby. Oh, he was dropping it down, throwing the little slider. It's You got to love watching them pitch. It's always a joy.
0: Look, anyone who says that the Yankees did not get a huge improvement to their roster and did not really go out and make quality moves at this deadline or didn't think they should make those moves is just trying to hate on this team. The question – I question whether or not this is actually going to bring them to their ultimate goal and their expectations for the season – However, I mean, if, especially you have to think if you're the Yankees, um, I'm unfamiliar with his general contract status, or I'm um, not contract status, uh, games played status. Anthony Rizzo, if he is a more healthy option, Brandon, you've already mentioned it a few times the possibility of shipping Voight out. Um, he has certainly seemed like a positive, positive fill um yeah let's see 98 games 2020 yeah he he really hasn't had any major health issues uh if you bring anthony rizzo back on another contract keep joey gallo in town those are two huge improvements long term
3: yes um also anthony rizzo is gonna want quite a bit of money remember i mean baseball players don't get a bit very many opportunities to cash in Anthony Rizzo becoming a free agent for, uh, is this the first time in his career? Yes. I mean, he's going to be 32 in, uh, on Sunday, LJ he's going to want a lot of money because this is the first time he can really get paid. I don't know if this is a guy the Yankees are going to go after because It just came out today, actually, that the Yankees came very close to trading uh, Luke Voigt prior to the deadline. Uh, There was a report that came out that said at about 3.30, it seemed that Luke Voigt was on the move to an undisclosed place, but the acquiring team pulled out of the deal. So here's where we stand, right? Luke Voigt, when fully healthy, is one of the best power hitters in the league. We saw in 2020 him tear the league apart, lead the league in homers. Is he a good defensive first baseman? No. Can he stay consistent year after year? I don't know because you look at the drop-off from last year to this year and (laughs) – Coming into the season, we genuinely thought he was going to be one of the most productive, healthy hitters on the team. We thought it was going to be Stanton and Judge that were that were not playing in games. We didn't think that at this point in the year, Luke Voigt would have played 29 of our 107 games or whatever we're at right now. So I can totally see why the Yankees would want to sign Anthony Rizzo. Voigt's only 20 or Voigt's 30. So I mean you still have control over Voit because he's not a free agent until 2025. I feel like this is where the Yankees might cheap out and stick with Voit, but also if they're really if they're really done with him, it would make sense uh as to why they would want to re-sign Rizzo or another first baseman this offseason. season.
0: Yeah, keep in mind too that we are still in a period of time in which teams are finding every way possible to keep the value of players down. Even if he may want a lot of money and he'll certainly go to the highest bidder, it's not going going to be the unreasonable demands that we saw five, six, seven years ago from free agents. The other thing that I think the Yankees could hear if they wanted to, the Dodgers have already started this with setting that precedent of big money, short-term deals that might be very much in the Yankees' favor with either of these guys. Both of these guys, I mean, if, if you say Luke Voigt's this year or next year?
3: Luke Voigt's not a free agent until 20- uh, 2025.
0: Either way, regardless. But if you have to pay somebody, um, you certainly don't want to be paying a 30 year old at any age, at any level, 10 more years. You don't want a 10 year contract on any of those guys. You don't want them on their on the team until you're 40. This is what, how we get those contracts like Albert Pujols, where it's not even close to worth it at the back end. Um, but if you can get this guy for an increased annual value for three years, maybe four years, most of these guys will do it if it's worth their money. And it certainly, I think, would be worth it for the team. I'm also going to say here, Luke Voigt cannot be given a proper say on consistency at the plate with 122 plate appearances scattered throughout the season. The injuries yes are 100% a huge question mark with this guy. I I I really I would hope for his sake that it isn't a matter of he's never going to be able to stay healthy, but we definitely would need more data from maybe another year where he is healthy to be able to say definitively if it's inconsistency or if it's just he's trying to get every time he tries to get back into the rhythm at the plate, he gets another injury added on.
3: Yeah. And I mean, sure, when he's playing, when he's actually hitting, I don't think he's that inconsistent of a hitter whatsoever. But injuries make you inconsistent when you're not able to play every day. Teams uh, are not in favor of that. Look, they understand that it's not worth it to pay you money or to, to pay someone and they're not going to play. And I, is is Luke Voigt the guy? It, it's going to be a big, big talking point around the Yankees offseason this year. You also have to remember they aren't getting a lot of money off their books, really. And they didn't want to go over the luxury tax this year so they could go over this off season. but do they go full Dodger and just spend and just go way over it? Because the Dodgers, they just completely killed all three tax thresholds by, by signing Trevor Bauer. And now they can just kind of go and do whatever they want. If they want to spend the money, do the Yankees get back to that point? Because I feel like now that they've been able to have all these home games and make money again, you would think, that they would be okay with spending. But then again, you do have the uh, economics major himself, Hal Steinbrenner, running the team and he loves to make a profit.
0: Look, profit is great, but this, this team has always had the culture of being there to win. And frankly, I think all big market teams should be on that same path. These major franchises like a New York Yankees, which I believe are they the most? Are they the most valuable or second most valuable?
3: Uh, the, the most valuable baseball franchise valued around yeah, but, five billion dollars.
0: But overall, okay, so they're so you're you're sitting, yeah, you're sitting around like second or third most of any sport right now. So you certainly have no shortage of money. No matter what you're spending, you can afford this. You just can't afford this in. Multiple years, like a lot of years. There is no reason that you should completely sacrifice having a good farm system in order to be successful if you're a large market in baseball. You can still do that. Part of the thing that you, part of the success to be able to do that is making sure you don't continually go over the luxury tax. You can keep getting draft picks, you can keep hitting on those draft picks and keep the farm system fresh year after year so you don't have to go into a full rebuild that's the only issue with a luxury tax but if you can if again short-term deals if you can work this out so you're able to cycle under the tax every every couple years then not only would you be a very good um management group but that i think would be the key to sustain uh sustained success in baseball as a big market
3: yeah and you know with the thing with the big markets is you can always bail yourself out in free agency which someone like the rays really can't do and that's why it's so important for them to have a good farm system because they can't go out and just throw throw money at the problem it's not like the Yankees or Dodgers, where the Dodgers were like, oh, you know, we could really use another starter. Let's just go get the guy who won the Cy Young. You know, the Rays were like, we could really use another starter. Let's go get back Chris Archer and sign Michael Waka and Rich Hill. We
0: we could really use another starter. Let's go trade away our former Cy Young.
3: (laughs) And and let one of our starters walk. One of our older starters walk because he's a free agent. Um, Uh, Yeah, but LJ, uh, why don't we move on and actually talk about a game that we were talking about on the show a bit last night, and that was the Dodgers and the Astros. Mookie Betts uh, hit two home runs and a Dodgers win, but Max Scherzer, the bigger headline
2: there.
3: to make his Dodgers debut pitching and pitches really well. Actually, I believe he had 10 strikeouts, Three strikeouts. Yeah. Five innings, five innings, 10 or seven innings, seven two innings. runs. Ten. Oh, I have no clue then. What game I'm confusing
0: it with. Forget me. Brain and keep going.
3: So yeah, seven innings, five hits, uh, two runs, 10 K's to one walk. Looked like Max Scherzer, uh, uh, yeah, LJ, your your thoughts. I mean, this is awesome. Look,
0: this team knows exactly where they're going. This fan base knows exactly where they're going. And as much as they seem to want, want to whine and gloat every five seconds, they also want to be taken along on the ride. I think it's absolutely great. Overall, the energy around this move is that same type of energy you get around all of those key, decisive World Series winning type moves at the deadline and the fans acknowledge it. They respect it. That's why you end up having Max Scherzer go out and do a curtain call at his first game as a Dodger for a standing ovation at Dodger stadium. There's it just, it has that same feeling, a feeling that I, I remember from Verlander first coming over to the Astros where it's like, all right, we're really good. We're a real contender. Oh, we now have this. Let's go do it. Let's finish this thing.
3: Now let's talk a little bit about this, this uh, series that just wrapped up prior to, we talk about a little controversy, Uh, but the Astros and Dodgers split the series. The Dodgers coming into the series have Walker Bueller and Max Scherzer on the mound for two games As a Dodger, you're probably thinking, okay, we're hosting the Astros at home. It's Lance McCullers versus Walker Bueller, who is probably on pace to win the Cy Young right now. Then we got Scherzer tomorrow. Dodgers are probably thinking that they're going to get a sweep. And Lance McCullers just comes in and shuts them down game one. Game two, it was nice to see L.A. uh, sort of come out hot, score those. Uh, what was it, seven runs in the first three innings and just kind of coast to a win, uh, even though it was a bit shaky there at the end. But yeah, LJ, your thoughts overall on on the series?
0: Look, we all expected it, and it certainly did live up to that hype. This was going to feel like a playoff series. This did feel like a playoff series, and when it gets into that type of environment where it's a postseason environment, you have two of the best teams in there, or the best teams in their respective leagues. You're going to get mixed results. So if you were the Dodgers there, you may have two great, outstanding pitchers on the mound, but you can never guarantee wins in the in baseball in general, let alone in that type of environment with that type of crowd. So I just. I think, I think we got exactly what we expected. And if I'm a Dodgers fan, I love what I saw there because after getting beaten down in that first game, you come out guns a-blazing in game two and really start to show them who's boss. But I think this next story is probably the most ex- um, exciting thing to continue on from last year. Of course, we all know that the Dodgers have taken particular exception to the Astros and their cheating Sigandal and everything that has come with that. Well, let's take you back to last season at, as at a uh, Minute Maid Park in Houston, where Joe Kelly comes up to the mound, a guy who wasn't even on the original Dodgers team. He throws behind the head of Carlos Correa and gets basically an immediate ejection, starts all sorts of controversy, gets a huge ban for this. It was really the first true action posed at the Dodgers players for their, or at the Astros players, I mean, for their complicity in the whole cheating scandal. So now we fast forward to today. First time at Dodgers Stadium, we get the rematch. Correa versus Kelly And what does Correa do? Steps up in there, no fear, and absolutely destroys a ball left field off Joe Kelly. This is what rivalries are made for.
3: Yeah, you know, uh, absolutely. And I do have to correct you. The first time that Joe Kelly and Carlos Correa faced off, Kelly threw behind Alex Bregman. Uh, It was a 3-0 count. Bregman was standing in the box and, Kelly, instead of just, you know, trying to pump a strike in there to make it three and one, just chose to throw a 99-mile-an-hour fastball behind Alex Bregman's head. Carlos Correa was the next batter. He strikes him out. Correa starts talking a bunch of crap after striking out. Joe Kelly's like, just, you know, come on, go back to the dugout. He ends up getting ejected for causing that whole matter. So, for Carlos Correa, this was a big at-bat for him because he had just struck it. The last time he faced Joe Kelly, he struck out. He made a big scene. Basically, was the re- him and Joe Kelly were the reason why they, there was a big controversy. Hey, I still see don't see what Joe Kelly did wrong. No, he struck the guy out. It's not it's start, his fault. Not and then, then, and then, they deserved it. And then, and then Carlos Correa was saying, oh, if I would have hit a home run, I would have been running around the bases right now. And then Joe Kelly's like, what what are you talking about? You struck out. What are you talking about? So for him to come back and hit a home run is uh, you're absolutely right. This is what rivalries are made for. We saw it earlier in the year when uh, Altuve hit the walk-off off off of Beraldis Chapman uh, at a Minute Maid Park. And look – Astros and Dodgers, it sucks it was only a two-game series, but was certainly a lot of fun. And who doesn't love Joe Kelly starting controversy? And he's like the most – I don't know. He has certainly uh, built his brand the last couple of years on fighting and then the whole mariachi jacket thing this year. He basically he goes a
0: little crazy a couple times each year, and that's his whole shtick.
3: And he also throws, like, 102. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> Joe Kelly.
0: Um. Anyway, next up, we have a little bit of continuing news from the past couple days, past weeks, months, years. Brandon?
3: Yeah, I'm just going to run through a couple things really quick, and then I'll – send it to lj for him to react to them first up uh trevor bowers administrative leave will be extended through august 13th uh basically every single week since this started the day prior to his leave ending they extend it for another week and this is just going to go all the way up until the end of the season there's no reason to think that he'll be back uh Especially if if we saw L.A. go out and get all those pictures. no reason to think that Trevor Bauer will be back. Uh, next up, Gary Sanchez tested positive for COVID, another breakthrough case for the Yankees. Uh, a breakthrough case when you have the vaccine and then end up getting COVID. He goes to the IL. They recall Rob Brantley. But now Jordan Montgomery, Garrett Cole, and Gary Sanchez all with COVID. Not to mention Nestor Cortez, Jonathan LaRazaga, Aaron Judge, Gio Urshela, all had it just three weeks ago. And then the one last thing I wanted to talk about uh, was that the Cleveland Indian, or yeah, the Cleveland Indians agreed to extend their lease at Progressive Field through 2036. Uh, certainly a very nice ballpark. I would like to to get there at some point. Uh, but that's certainly interesting to know that they'll be sticking around for 16 or 15 more years.
0: Is it just mean, I mean, I don't really follow many of these stories. That feels like a really long time.
3: Uh. Yeah, and the agreement also comes with the potential for ten additional years to twenty forty six. They really like Progressive Field. <laughs>
0: um, I guess so. And that, they really just don't feel like spending spending money or time on any any other alternative. Yeah, that's certainly there. Look, I'm not sure what's going to last longer. The Trevor Bauer commissioner's list time or the COVID lockdowns, but they're both following the exact same pattern. Uh, as yeah. for the middle story, what was the middle story again?
3: The middle story was that Gary Sanchez has COVID.
0: Yeah. Um, sucks for the Yankees. I'm really not sure what else. I mean, you know, that's kind of – I mean, it's not risky. I don't mean it like it's a bad uh, – it's a horrible thing, but like, it's a risk you take having it be such a urban environment that the Yankees, the Yankees are right in the Bronx. They're, it's not necessarily easy for these guys to live that much farther away from the Bronx than the Bronx. So in that, that heavily urbanized, crowded area, you're going to have such a sheer population of people and things spreading around that it's, I'm sure, much easier for things to get passed for breakthrough cases like this to happen there than anything else. Honestly, that's probably why the Yankees have had so much trouble.
3: If you would have told me on April 1st that the Yankees' rotation on August 5th would be Jameson Tyone, Nestor Cortez, bullpen game, Andrew Haney, and Luis Gill, I would have said, oh, no, please tell me that we can get uh, whoever the top prospect is in next year's draft, because I would have said this season is (laughs) down the drain. And you you were were right. right. (laughs) Well. It's just amazing to me that we went out and got Corey Kluber, and that was, like, the big signing this offseason. And, yeah, he throws a no-hitter, but, like, he's not even a big part of the season, like, whatsoever. And he threw a no-hitter.
0: To be fair, I feel like that was one of the biggest – Brandon, I mean, I'm not trying to underplay his value. I mean, he's still a very good pitcher. But that was one of the most overhyped – additions of the offseason from any team I have to think not because he wasn't good enough he's just been so hurt that I don't think you could if I was a Red Sox fan would I be able to get like truly excited about it like I don't think I don't think he, he will ever be trustworthy enough to be a key piece to winning a championship
3: again well no and here's the thing it was like the I've already suffered so much with injuries being a Yankees fan that it was like I will literally take anything that this guy can. <laughs> I'll take five innings. Like if five if, total innings. I will take the five total innings that he could throw this year. If that somehow helps out the the bullpen to to win us a few extra games, I, I'll take it uh but for him to have started 10 games he won pitcher of the month remember uh yeah you know certainly he was on pace to have a really good year uh probably somewhere around 5 or 6 war was his pace but
0: but to, to call him came, the champion messiah which a lot of people uh wanted to name him in the offseason was a bit of an overreaction
3: he only has a career 33.7 war which is Interesting to That's me.
0: Shocking, actually.
3: He's only this is only his eleventh season. So really, yeah. Verlander on his eleventh year was uh, what did he do on his eleventh year? Oh yeah, he finished fifth in the Cy Young balling.
0: That's
3: okay. That's okay.
0: Um. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Oh, I think next we're gonna switch it over to. A bit of Mets and Red Sox talk. They both continue to struggle. Uh, I believe the Mets today left 15 runners on base in a 4-2 to loss to the Marlins. Uh, just what has been going on, LJ, in the Big Apple?
0: Um, Big Apple. Well, a lot of it, again, injuries and inconsistency have been the entire thing this year. But we knew that this was going to be a struggle for a very long time. That's why I flat out said if they can get through this season successfully with all of the adversity that this team is going to face throughout this year, that pretty clearly uh, – what's his face? Their, their manager deserves – manager of the year. Rojas. On the game. Uh, yeah. Rojas deserves manager of the year for the National League if he can get them through – all of this that's going on because they've just their. I think their roster has seen more iterations than the vast majority of the league, except maybe, maybe the Yankees Um, and the Cubs and the Nationals, of course, after they sold their entire team. But yeah, I just, you know, this should have been expected. I it's ideally not what you want to see. I mean, you've got a really, really rough, patch here i mean realistically the reds i think we need to make yeah let's make it this a group sub playoff teams i feel like that's a fair thing like teams you can easily lose to but they're not like a playoff contender so it's not like okay like yeah this is a this is a really good team that's just a it's a it's a solid team they had reds sub playoff team blue jays sub playoff team Braves, sub-playoff team, and division rival, so they've seen them a million times. Reds again, but the key thing here is this Marlins series. The Mets have now dropped three out of four to the Marlins this week. That that was the unacceptable thing, and that makes me really nervous for next week as after facing a sub-playoff team in the Phillies who they could easily drop games to, They get the Nationals at home, at home. Nationals at home for three games. Those games, every single one of them is must win. You have to have the momentum there. You probably really need to get two out of three in Philly because then comes that highly talked about stretch of the season here. Three games at home against the Dodgers, three games on the road against San Francisco, four games on the road against the Dodgers and then three games at home against San Francisco. If they do not get momentum going in the next week, then they are in
2: When I deployed, I didn't realize that even the air I was breathing was dangerous. Since coming home, I've watched friends get sick and struggle to get the support they deserve. But now, that's finally changing. We're eligible for new VA health care and benefits based on when and where we served. Even though I feel okay, I'm going to apply. For my sake and for my family. Learn more and apply today. Visit va.gov p-a-c-t.
0: A whole world of pain, deep, deep trouble for them in the next couple weeks. Their season could be over before the end of August if they don't get this next week up. So I would I would be very worried if I'm the Mets.
3: LJ, I'm gonna say that their season is on the line this weekend. Yeah. They're up by a half game and they have on the Phillies and they have three games again against them this weekend. The Mets are putting out two of their top starters. The Phillies are putting out two of their top starters, and they happen to match up in both games. It's Marcus Stroman versus Kyle Gibson in game one. Tyler Miguel versus Ranger Suarez in game two. And game three is Taiwan Walker versus Zach Wheeler. I mean, huge, huge series here. This is, the Phillies could take the division lead would this be the first time since, what, April, that the, that the Mets didn't lead the NL East, right?
0: Uh Yeah. And I don't think, actually, I could be
3: wrong, but it feels like they've never trailed. That sounds about right. And also, the Braves, LJ, they're only two games out, and they get three against the Nationals this weekend. So, I mean we could see by the end of the weekend Phillies Braves one, two in the Mets in third. Yeah. I think also
0: again, if, if any saving grace for the Mets, both those teams, I think are less consistent, even if they're better, they're better teams, but less consistent than the Mets, at least theoretically. I mean, that, that Phillies bullpen, I do not trust to save my life still to this day. So they could easily start dropping games like wild in the middle here. But again, if you end up, you could easily end up five games, six games back by the end of the month. And you're not making that up in a month. You can easily drop, drop enough to get to that point. That's not good. But can we talk about how you're back talking smack at Tyler Meagill?
3: No, 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 no. Three I, of their top starters. I remember when, well, no, I remember Tyler McGill. I said, we, we were just talking about this the other night. Ace Tyler Meagill has been really good. It's just he's only pitched he's pitched in eight games. So you know, let's let's give him a bit of a sample size. But LJ, I'm gonna put you on the spot right now. You gotta pick an NL East winner go. Braves Braves. Wow, without Acuna, you really like what they did with that outfield, huh? Um, I'm gonna be honest.
0: I eliminated the Mets right away because again, I I don't feel. I mean, if you're if you're a Mets fan out there listening to this show, please get on Twitter at MLB Daily Pod, tweet at us, DM us. We'd love to hear your case for why you think this team is gonna win. However, that that week and a half is going to eat them alive that uh, two weeks actually
3: so this weekend could literally be the end of their season this this weekend could be the end of their division run
0: which mind you they're worlds away from the wild card and then they could be completely taken out of contention by the end of the month i'm eliminating them right off the bat then it all of a sudden became entirely down to feel and i don't know there's just something about this team I, I trusted them to beginning of the year. They made they made good moves at the deadline and I just still, I don't have faith in this Philadelphia relief staff. I don't. I mean Ian Kennedy, great, but other than him, I don't see how it's that much better than it was before because the pieces that they brought in to completely reset this whole group haven't helped that much either. Uh, Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola and Kyle Gibson can only get you so far. So I don't know. I just it was really just a gut call, but I think the two teams are very close.
3: I'm going to pick the like I still want to pick the Mets and I know it seems like a dumb a dumb take, but it's like you we, we've gotten to this point in the year and I know that so much is based on Momentum, but th- time and time again, it seems like we've just come back to the Mets and we're like, This is clearly the best team in the NL East talent wise. I mean, now that they add Javi Baez, you hope that they can get this offense, you know, somewhat going because if when Baez gets
0: hot, the other thing is, you don't have Lindor probably till September, but and you have
3: you have, Monza, you have hot, he's Kip- not much worth you have superstar hitters on your team still like there's no excuse there isn't an excuse but they still find a way to do
0: it it, it it's lol mets for a reason i just you know i i, I want to have faith in them but i can't
3: i'm i'm going to pick the phillies then um i really think that they come that the phillies beat up the Mets this weekend. I really think Kyle Gibson's going to beat Marcus Stroman today. I think Zach Wheeler is going to win Sunday against Taiwan Walker. And in the middle game, I mean, we can give that to the Mets. The Phillies would still walk out of there with a game and a half lead on the Mets. However, Philadelphia does have to play the Dodgers and then Cincinnati in their two series next week. So look, the Mets are absolutely still in it. Like, they're still in first place. So, you know, un- until they aren't in first place, I'm still going to be like, you know, they're the best team here. But if we're talking about if I had to make a prediction, like I'm probably going to go Philadelphia. And I think it's going to be a battle down to the wire. Like I don't think that the Phillies or Braves just run right by the Mets here. And that ends up, you know, that that's what ends up happening because the Braves just had a stretch LJ where for 18 games in a row, they didn't win one or lose or excuse me. They didn't win more than one game or lose more than one game in a row. They went win loss, win loss for 18 games in a row. You almost triggered me so much. If you had told me they tied 18
0: days straight, there's no ties in baseball. It couldn't happen. (laughs) Um, I don't I, I don't know. Again, this is this is the best. We're trying to pick the best of a lot of bad options. None of these teams deserve to be in the playoffs, but by fairness and by overall, like what's right, one of them will be and yeah, Met and honestly, Brandon. I mean, if you want to take the Mets, that's a fine that's a fine play here. You know why? You could never have the worst take ever. Max Kellerman already took Iguodala, So you could never have the worst take in sports history.
3: With the death beam pointed at Earth,
0: I the want,
3: want Iguadala. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I remember watching that episode too. Like I don't know how be- I would react if I saw that live. I'd be like, nope, that's enough for today, Max. You
0: see, here's the thing. If you're a first take type person, which again, in my younger years I was, now not only has the show gone to hell, but it's just when you try to go for those hot take shows, we're not a hot take pod, um, and try to go for all the hot takes like they do and just swing for the fences, it can sound so uneducated if you really stop to think about it. But if you get into the mood, get into the vibe that they're trying to set up, you can be easily swayed by those guys.
3: Yeah, well, they're so good at talking, right? Like that's that's why they work for ESPN. They're very good at, you know, I'm sure they have a very. I thought, they, high I thought they worked
0: for ESPN because they were cheap and they were willing to couch out of the ESPN agenda.
3: Well, that, but you know, also they're the top of the top of of those people. You know, they can they can talk. They're they're confident in themselves. They aren't afraid to make old takes what i have a problem with is how they just bring on kendrick perkins every day and they act like he is this nba savant when he is just, in, in, he's, just in,
0: he's just the one that tore apart one of the greatest super teams
3: ever he's just a scrub nba player tell me about it who got carried to a finals by lebron and now no, for whatever you, you, reason, you forgot and, about the one where he was carried to a finals by kevin durant just carried to a finals by whoever and now he thinks that he's this this genius who knows everything about basketball because he used to play in the NBA I mean that's the problem is there isn't even any other networks that can compete with ESPN Fox Sports half the time they're not even showing like any like sport that people are interested in uh, on a you know on an hourly basis so it's (laughs) I don't know. That That's my I, rant for about that.
0: The fact that there isn't more like sports content is bad. Like, that's the thing. I can't think of many shows other than uh, Skip Bayless on another channel and uh, what's his face? Shannon. He's also on the radio. No, 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 no. no. Oh. Um, everybody hates him.
3: Will Cain,
0: no, Will Cain's fine. Leave Will Cain alone. We're, we're, we're a Will Cain podcast.
3: Bomani Jones has a radio show. No,
0: no, 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 for Fox.
3: Oh, for Fox. Oh, Chris Broussard. No, he works for Fox. Oh, well, I can't Colin,
0: remember this? Colin Coward, yes, thank you. Jeez, that was bad. Honestly, you know, I feel like he, he is there he isn't even there first to take show, but he, it, he embodies the completely incapable nature of both Stephen A. Smith and Max Coleman at the same time.
3: That, but what'll, That's what will happen when you do that every day. Also one last thing about the Phillies. They're entering this weekend on a five game win streak uh, and the Braves on a now three game win streak after winning today. But, LJ you no, we good. haven't
0: we haven't talked about it what about strength of schedule
3: Oh uh, as for remaining or current remaining I can pull that up for you all right um, according to tankathon.com <laughs> the, Mets the very the, very official source the Mets have the fifth hardest schedule left as they play the Giants six times, okay? Yep. That's their toughest opponent. The – who else is in this race? The Philadelphia Phillies have the th- easiest schedule in the MLB r- remaining as their six hardest games are against – three against the Dodgers, two against the Rays, and one against the Brewers – they still have six games against Arizona left. So the Mets could be in trouble. LJ Atlanta, they have the 27th easiest schedule remaining. They have to play San Francisco six times, but they get the pleasure of four against the, uh, Arizona and two against Baltimore. So, you know. In in short, give me Miami. <laughs> Who has the 16th easiest schedule? They get three against Pittsburgh and three against Colorado. I think they got a shot here, boys. I'm not sure about you. Oh, LJ, by the way, the Mets' easiest opponents left. Would you like to take a guess? Oh, yeah. Go with the Cardinals. Six games against the Collins.
0: That's not even an easy schedule.
3: I know. That's why they have. That's, the a, fifth that, that's like a legit challenge. That's why they have the fifth hardest Ugh. schedule remaining. Baltimore and Arizona both with the toughest schedules left, and they're the two worst teams in the league. So we could be into some real, uh, yeah, interesting right. situations.
0: In other news that is just currently breaking, according to the LA Times, Dodgers pitcher Clayton Kershaw is expected to return from his forearm injury sometime in September. I can't tell if that should be making me more comfortable or less comfortable, because it's great to hear that he's definitively coming back, but sometime in September feels a little vaguer than the early September time frame.
3: He'll be back in September. He'll make two starts, and then he'll, then they'll do whatever in the playoffs. It's I'm not worried about it yet. The Dodgers don't operate under very con- conspiracy sus- suspicious like injuries like the Yankees do. But LJ, the second part of this segment that we wanted to get to, we yeah. want to talk about your your Red Sox.
0: Actually, I want to talk uh, that that um, works in because I want to talk about. Conspiracy suspicious type injuries. I don't know if you've ever noticed it with the Yankees. Do any of your players, you know, do the Yankees often employ the IL dessert
3: guys where they just desert a guy on the IL? We did it once this year after Justin Wilson allowed that walk off homer to to Robbie Grossman. They. The only one. Uh, Robbie Robbie Grossman had a lot of disgusting shots. The one where we lost an extra innings, he got put on the IL the next day, but then was out for like three weeks. So I think it was an actual injury that either he was pitching through and they just let him pitch through it, or he was just bad and then was like, oh yeah, I'm also hurt too. So like, okay, like you can sit out for three weeks. That's the only reason or the only time I can think of the Yankees doing it. Why does it, does Boston do that a lot? I have a conspiracy
0: that that's how they get rid of guys that they can't take off the 40 man, but they really can't use because there have been two times in the past two years that have been all too convenient to get rid of a guy that really wasn't movable at the time or shouldn't be movable at the time, but you really needed to get out of the lineup in the past two seasons. Um, Steve Pierce and Andrew Benintendi have magically disappeared from the team for the majority of the year. Um, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it sounds sus to anybody else but me. But let me pull up the stats. Andrew Benintendi, who of course has carved out a great spot for himself in Kansas City, played 14 games last year, slashing 103, 314, 128. Promptly went on the IL to never be seen in a Red Sox uniform again. Steve Pierce is the other one, if I can spell Pierce. Of course, retires after this season, but in his 2019 season, plays 29 games. Slashers 180, 245, 258 before getting, as I call, suck in his elbow and gets thrown on the IL for an indisclosed amount of time
3: yeah uh does not surprise A little fishy me so but of any, that conspiracy.
0: yeah the red sox
3: any more yeah, comments the- on them you know dropping another
0: this isn't good i've already said it isn't good i don't know what i'm doing anymore i found other ways to cope thankfully most of them include the olympics and going to see James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. Go check that out. It was very good. Um, those are going to run out pretty soon. I could have. I might have to uh, see these choices actually come to life of being a Red Sox fan very very soon. I'm not ready for it. I'm going to enjoy my last couple days of getting to ignore the fact that that things are going so poorly while I can. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm hiding effectively
3: well there you have it uh lj so prior to doing small talk smackdown to wrap up the show we are gonna talk about the nominees for the heart and hustle award uh so i believe that they didn't award this in 2020 but they did not voted on by alumni and active MLB players and is presented annually to an active player who, who demonstrates a passion for the game of baseball and best embodies the value, spirit, and traditions of the game. Every single team gets uh, a nominee, but also a you win for your team. So it's very big to be selected for your team. Uh, LJ, do you have the list in front of you if you want to run through one of the leagues and I can take the other?
0: I do. I will take the AL because it's the first one here. Starting with the Baltimore Orioles, we'll have Cedric Mullins. The Red Sox winner will be Rafael Devers. For the White Sox, Tim Anderson. The Indians, Jose Ramirez. The Tigers, Robbie Grossman. The Astros, Jose Altuve. The Royals, Salvador Perez. The Angels get David Fletcher on here. The Twins winner will be Jorge Polanco. The Yankees have Aaron Judge. The A's get Matt Olson. The Mariners have Mitch Haniger. The Rays get Joey Nobat in gloves, Wendell. The Rangers, Isaiah Kiner Falefa. The, and the Blue Jays, Marcus Simeon.
3: LJ, I'm going to go out here and say that the ones that make the most sense just to me here, are Joey Wendell, Marcus Simeon, and Cedric Mullins. Those guys just seem like they were, and I guess Aaron Judge, too. Those guys, like, I would, seeing them certainly does not surprise me.
0: Bias, bias, bias. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, although I think you're omitting, Jose Altuve did the greatest (laughs) hustle job ever a couple years back. And we're just not, I don't think we've respected it enough. Hustled the entire league to a world series.
3: Well, in the national league, we have Eduardo Escobar for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, that's tough because he's got traded for the Atlanta Braves. We got Ozzy Albies for the Chicago Cubs. We have <laughs> Javier Baez. Okay, he also got traded. Uh, Nick Castellanos for the Reds, Ryan McMahon for the Rockies, Chris Taylor for the Dodgers, Miggy Rojas for the Marlins, Willie Adamas for the Brewers, even though he didn't start off as a brewer, uh, Kevin Pillar for the Mets, Ronald Torres for the Phillies, Adam Frazier for the Pirates, uh, now Padres, Jake Cronenworth for the Padres. Brandon Crawford for the Giants, Tommy Edmond for the Cardinals, and Trey Turner for the Washington Nationals, now LA Dodgers. <laughs> you know, I certainly hope that they don't pick one of these guys from the National League who got traded, like one of the five that they selected.
0: Yeah, but you know what? They deserved it. They, yeah. they put the work in for their team. They deserve this as much of a shot at it as they would if they were still on that team in my opinion, um, in terms of guys that I think really embody this year, I think there's two that stand out to me if I was voting. Of course, I'm not an alumni, but I support the alumni. I would have to say Willie Adamas and Kevin Pilar, I think, are two very, very big ones here. Of course, Willie Adamas, you know, we talked about how much struggles Milwaukee was having to start the year offensively. He comes over, not only does he have a fantastic offensive turnaround, but it felt like he bre- gave a breath of fresh life into the offense as a whole, which was very good for the team and helped the team climb up into the top spot in that division. As for Kevin Pillar, not a ton of guys get hit in the face, get absolutely torn, torn up by a baseball And then come back so quickly and with such gusto. So that certainly, I think he plays a great role in it for me. I would have trouble not voting for him.
3: The one guy that stands out for me is Chris Taylor. Uh, This dude has been so solid his entire career and gets no credit. He's a 16 career war player through eight seasons. He averages almost four war per 162 games. And not only that, he just seems like the guy that is just, he embodies the heart and hustle award. He plays like every position. He will play anywhere that they ask him to. I mean, second, third, short, any outfield spot. And he's just such a valuable piece to the team. I feel like he really fits in well there. I well, like by by that
0: logic, I feel like we also have to include Jake
3: Cronenworth. Well, absolutely. But I was thinking Chris Taylor, just because he's been the J. He's been what Jake Cronenworth uh, could be for the last eight, eight years. You know, so. Yeah,
0: I see what you mean. So, Brandon, if you had to give it to me, give me your top, your top player from each league, and your top player overall.
3: All right, I guess I will go Cedric Mullins for the Orioles. Actually, you know what? No, uh, Cedric Mullins is a honorable mention for the American League for me. We're going with the main man himself, Joey Wendell. Yes. LJ, I'm sure that you agree with that pick for the American League.
0: You know, I'm... I'm not entirely made my mind up on the American League because I think what Isaiah Kiner-Falefa has been able to do for the Rangers has also been a huge standout. Um, You know, (sighs) Joey Wendell does so much for that team too. And, like, this is the first year he's really getting, like, fully appreciated I feel like I go for Joey Wendell here as well. However, if I had to give an honorable mention here, maybe a dark horse. I think for overall, his energy, this is going to sound like a homer, but Rafael Devers should be a perennial contender based on the energy. However, his mental game talking to himself at the plate, I think is probably off-putting enough to keep him out of the award ever.
3: Fair. Fair enough uh, for the net. I'll, I'll do my national league and then I'll pick my winner for the national league. I'll go with Chris Taylor and uh, I'm going Joey Wendell to win. Just why not? I'm feeling good. Joey Wendell's the man, probably my favorite player on the Rays, And I hate every Ray. So that's, that's something.
0: That means a lot. Means um, a, a ton. <laughs> um. I'm going with Kevin Pilar from the National League for the reason, of course, that I've already mentioned. And I'm going to go for Kevin Pilar to win as well. Another guy we haven't really talked about here, Brandon Crawford. Yeah. I feel like also it would be a dark horse for me outside of Taylor, Adamas, Pilar. I think Crawford is probably the next guy I would pick off of this list in terms of embodying heart and hustle. Again, heart and hustle is relatively vague... The whole de- the whole demonstrates a passion for the game of baseball and best embodies the values and spirit and traditions of the game, is relatively vague. So, I think it's Whoopi kind Betts of always going to be a crapshoot. Award.
3: What? Bets won the award. So it's not like it's like they need to pick a bad player or not bad player, but they aren't afraid to pick a star player to win it either. They're also
0: not afraid. If if Mookie Betts won, they're also not afraid to pick a very quiet player.
2: Right. Mookie
0: Betts isn't the high energy guy in any clubhouse, any setting. He's pretty reserved, laid back. So, yeah, I mean, again, it really, it knows no bounds. Pablo Sandoval getting the nod.
3: Interesting. yeah <laughs> that's certainly interesting all right lj we have time to do uh,
0: we're a little bit in over an hour do you want to move
3: yeah, that that's fine no i mean it's up to you if you what do you think
0: yeah let's let's put let's push it for tomorrow
3: all right well you will not be here tomorrow so we will push it to saturday's show because oh, I,
0: thought, I thought you were also just going to replay last night's or the other
3: night, I have to re because we could Tomorrow record it. a re-upload of a full upload of the show that was supposed to go out on Monday, Tuesday, which Tuesday. everyone was only twenty-three minutes. Because we one. could
0: we could we could tack Small Talk SmackDown right onto the front of it was what I was thinking.
3: Okay, yeah, that's, that's what whatever
0: you want to do now, then later no.
3: Saturday, whatever. No, we we can end the show now. That's that's perfectly fine. Uh, and we'll and we'll keep all this in, so people get a little insight.
0: <laughs> Why don't we just do it now? It's probably all right. our time,
3: all right, that's fine. You've, uh, all I, been,
0: you've all been taken on the wild roller coaster that is our production.
3: Well, that's fine. What is an extra four minutes added onto the show? I will keep my small talks mac down very brief. Whoever and I
0: will. I We'll time these this time. To see who can get this right. All right, Brandon.
3: Wheel spinning. Wheel spinning. And... You get the Tampa Bay Rays. All right, the Tampa Bay Rays. Well,
0: ready, set.
3: All right, go. the Tampa Bay Rays. They now have a game and a half lead over the Red Sox. Uh, they're coming off a very nice win last weekend to sweep Boston and they got a pretty easy schedule coming up. They got three at Baltimore this weekend prior to three in Fenway next week. That will certainly be a big series for them. But if I'm a race fan right now, look, I'm just, I'm just loving the way that this team is made up. I love that we traded for, for Nelson Cruz and uh, you know, a guy like uh, in, in the bullpen, You know, we have really stepped it up lately, especially without a lot of those guys in that we're so used to in that Tampa Bay bullpen. So, look, once they can get some of these guys back from injury off of just a few of these pitchers, uh, I really think that this team is going to come really together and it's going to be looking good. But things are looking up for uh, Tampa Bay right now.
0: Minute two seconds.
3: Ooh. If you hadn't good. gone
0: for the butt section, you would have been under.
3: Yeah, no, that's all right. I'll, I'm fine with a minute. That's, that's all right. All right, let's spin again. Would you like me to time it for you?
0: No, because I already have the whole running clock.
3: Got yeah.
0: it. Blue Jays, do we want to move outside the AL East?
3: Sure, East? we'll do another one, because we already talked about the other uh, three other teams there.
0: That spinning sound is oh, the Cleveland Indians ready, set, go. All right, I'm not sure exactly where to go with this because there's two very clear spots I want to go, and neither of them are your play on the field, which is the first blob problem. Um, I'm going to divide this into about oh gosh, um, 15 second, 30 second um, bites here. First off, Cleveland Indians fans are you really going to sit here and take this whole cleveland guardians name i'm sorry i know you 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 would look totally racist if you tried to um push for the indians to be kept frankly you probably should have started a campaign to be able to go deeper into the indian heritage and respect line which i think is the best possible case for you to go but you really didn't i just you know i just feel like i i would i would hate it i would hate it i I mean of course we haven't talked about it but i would be unable to i've lost my train of thought i'm really tired um yeah this is gonna go over brandon's but yeah i just i wouldn't i would not be happy i wouldn't be satisfied with that name and unfortunately we're at a point where there probably isn't too much you can do about it so i'm sorry
3: yeah, and I should say as for their play on the field, uh, well, they just sold off Eddie Rosario. They signed a one-year contract in free agency. So that's all you need to know. Uh, they got a payroll of about 35 million, or no, 50 million now, so something.
0: their, 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 play, their play doesn't matter. Nothing they did this year matters. Um,
3: it was a waste.
0: I'm also incredibly intrigued by that progressive field story, but yeah. Anyway, that'll wrap us up today.
3: Sure. Well, thank you all for listening to the MLB daily podcast. Be sure to check us out uh, on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok at MLB daily pod and uh, yeah. Play the trivia game on Twitter, follow belly up sports. Thank you for listening. My name is Brandon Karam. He's LJ LaFiora and we will see you tomorrow.
0: Se minha...
2: Are